wife Jezebel came to him and said, Why are you so depressed that you will not eat? He said to her, Because I spoke to Nabal, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard for it. But he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. His wife Jezebel said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Get up, eat some food, and be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard from Nabal, the Jezreelite. So, she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with a seal. She sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who lived with Naboth in his city. She wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast and seek Naboth at the head of the assembly. Seek two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. As soon as Jezebel heard that the dog had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Go, take possession of the vineyard of the law of the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For the is not alive, but dead. As soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab set out to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Go down to meet King Ahab of Israel, who ruled in Samaria. He is now in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. You shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? You shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Nabal, dogs will also lick up your blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. I will bring disaster on you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterwards, he went out through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women, who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Mary and Stuart, Shusa and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. He has sent me to 
and boundaries. God is standing to announce good news to the poor. Today you're hearing it, he says. This text has come true. Today, the reading that you just heard is from chapter 7 of this Gospel of Luke. In this chapter as a whole, there are three stories that show Jesus' ministry in action. We heard them now, all three of them. First, a few weeks back, we heard the story of the centurion who begged Jesus to heal his highly valued serving man. Remember that the centurion was a Roman soldier, an officer of the despised army occupying first century Judea. He was, to Jesus' disciples, an agent of the evil empire. He was an enemy. Jesus saw the human being in the enemy. He saw the heart in distress. He responded to the straightforward request of this man who came to him for help. And he healed the ailing serving man, for whom the centurion passionately advocated. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Jesus had taught. And here in Luke's Gospel, we see him living for the preach. Then there was the widow of Nain, the poor woman left destitute by the death of her only son. Jesus saw her poverty and her sorrow. His heart went out to her, the gospel reads. And he called her son to funeral here to awaken. At the same moment, restoring both the widow and her son back to he has sent me to announce the good news to the poor. And then the third example story is the one you heard just then. The Pharisee invites Jesus for a meal in his home. Now, Pharisees are often the fall guys in the gospel story. The ones that seem like the baddies. But they were not bad people. They tried hard to be good. I think of them like members of a religious ethical society, or, God help me, a circle of earnest but scrupulous clergy. Anyway, people who study all of their lives what is right and what is wrong because they want very much to be good and to do right and to establish order among the people, even though there can be ideological competition petty rivalries, and on occasion, narrow judgment, and maybe just a teeny bit of self-righteousness. But God's ways are not human ways, and human ideas about good order are constrained by human measure. And here, we see the conventional good order disrupted at several levels at once, by this woman with a flask of myrrh. Her 
first. She disrupts the hospitality of the house by coming in uninvited. Then she acts up. She kneels down, weeping so that her tears fall on Jesus' feet. And if that weren't enough, she dries his feet with her loosened hair and then anoints his feet with the fragrant oil and kisses him again and again. The good Pharisee is shocked as any or any of us would be on the face of it. He thinks to himself, if Jesus were really a holy prophet, He'd see this woman for what she is, a person of terrible character, and he would recoil from her polluting touch. For that child can suffer, an untouchable, an outcast, sinner. Jesus does not judge her by the same standards. Maybe he knew of this woman in some context before this dinner. The text doesn't say one way or the other. Jesus sees her heart. He reads her life. He accepts her tender, loving gesture as the enactment of a person who has suffered and been released by grace through faith from suffering. He sees her freedom in her act and accepts her ministration as a sacrament of the kingdom of God. Jesus receives his host's shocked misgivings and takes him up on him, calling him by name for the first time in the story. Simon, I have something to say to you. What is it, teacher? Simon. And then Jesus tells about the two debtors, the one who owed a huge amount, huge, and the other, both are forgiven all they owed. Which one will be the more grateful? Simon takes Jesus' point. I should think the one who has let off the And then Jesus gestures to the woman. I love to do this again. See this woman? When I came to your house, you provided no water for my feet. But this woman has made my feet wet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has been kissing my feet ever since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet. So I tell you, her great love proves that her many sins have been forgiven. Jesus here challenges Simon, the scrupulous Pharisee. Stingy love yields stingy grace. Where little has been forgiven, little love is shown. Dear earnest Simon, do not mistake the little virtues for the great virtue of unbound love. Jesus turns then to the woman and affirms her in the hearing of everyone. 
your sins are forgiven. And even as some of the former men scandalized again, he tells her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I can't say if Jesus is here forgiving her or simply describing what he sees in her. A woman whose faith in tender mercy and unconditional love released her both from her own pattern of wrongdoing and beyond that from the harsh judgment of her community. Is it human love or divine love? Maybe when you get down to the heart of it, there is no distinction between God's redeeming love and a person's inner freedom. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus taught. Active, healing, restoring, freeing at the heart's deep core. Jesus must have been deeply moved by her sacrament of tenderness. For didn't he later do the same thing himself? As his parting communion with his disciples in the Last Supper, when he washed their feet so that they could feel in their own skin bones the kindness of his And that was what I found so touching even last Holy Week when the good bishop of Rome, Pope Francis, washed the feet of twelve prisoners, among them Muslims, men and women, refugees, some of the untouchable poor of our world. Let not the needy be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Francis knelt before each one of them, kissed their feet, washed them with veins. The sacrament of tender mercy, the deep message of Like the disciples named at the end of the reading today, Mary, Magdala, Joanna, Susanna, and many others who walked beside Jesus, sustaining, providing, supporting, we are called to model Jesus' own graciousness, to mirror his service toward others, and to show what he means about sharing resources and wealth. Like them, we are called not only to hear, but to act on the word of God. Three stories, three instances of the transforming meaning of Jesus' ministry. Love your enemies. Bring good news to the poor. Sins are forgiven. We see it in this woman with the flask of love who moved to Jesus to observe where little has been given, little is shown. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, by which I do not mean that it is only the real of in heaven, but rather that the daybreak of patrons and violence that we see and experience 
challenged and transformed in every generation by the doers of the gospel. Our mission is to live as Jesus lived. The gospel is the real revolution. Thank you. 
grant that we, your servants, who now live by faith, may with joy hold your Son and becoming in glory and majesty, even Jesus Christ, our only mediator and advocate. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you, God of word and by what we have done, by what we have done. Fletcher and his scout leader, Christopher McWhite, are here today because Fletcher has done a lot of 
my honor to present Fletcher Vidal with a scout award that he has been working on for quite some time now. Fletcher has completed the requirements of study and service for the God and Family Award Program and has earned the right and privilege of wearing this emblem in recognition of his accomplishments. And I don't know where it's supposed to hang, but may I hang it? May I hang it? Hang it close to you with your left eye and heart. The thing about God and family is I'm moving away to And I want you to know that God and family are your friends and that you are always you
May I please have the graduating seniors who are present today come forward, along with the hand craft group that knit scarves for our seniors, and the basket of scarves that we will have. I think about half of our graduates were able to be here today, and we're so glad that you are. Thank you, Grace and Paul, and you. And these beautiful, beautiful scarves. Again, pray with me. Gracious God, we bless these scarves to be a sign of the love we have for the graduates of our parish. May these scarves be a blessing to those who bear them. May those who bear them have wisdom in heart and mind, success in every challenge they face, courage to keep life's purpose, belief in themselves to make it come true, strength to do their best and to endure, and the guiding light of faith to ensure that wherever they fall, whatever they do, God's love will always see them through. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Father,
It is right, and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. For by water and the Holy Spirit, you have made us a new people in Jesus Christ our Lord, to show forth your glory in all the world. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Those who trespass against us, and 
Father.